Phil, that was um, Swami Ashokananda from the uh, integral. Is it the integral yoga uh, movement uh, institute? Institute of Swami Satchidananda. You know, I'm I'm thinking back. Uh, I first uh, I went to a concert at Randall's Island in New York back in the early '70s, and uh, I I believe it was uh, Swami Satchidananda that spoke at it. He had a very powerful mm-hmm. presence, and of course. Anybody that's seen the movie Woodstock or was there, uh, uh, you know, saw him. And, uh, yeah, he was a, definitely a powerful present, presence. And, you know, you, you discuss it in your book, American Veda. But, you know, he's one of the people that really uh, popularized and, uh, 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 yoga in, in the West, meditation. Uh, and I, I, I want you to tell our listeners the story you once told me about how you actually took a, an asana, a yoga class with him in his uh, and, Upper West Side apartment in New York before he was well-known. Yeah, we've discussed this uh, on the podcast. Um, yeah, it was sometime around 67 or maybe, yeah, somewhere around that, that I was living in New York and, you know, heard about yoga and someone said, uh, oh, there's this guy from India and he teaches a yoga class. And I went, I took, I remember taking the subway uptown to the Upper West Side. And at the time, you know, he hadn't been here that long. And he had started, he was starting in those days to become the sort of guru to the New York hippies. And, uh, but he was teaching yoga classes and giving discourses. And I went to a yoga class and, you know, I just remember this really tall, uh, beautiful looking uh, Indian man uh, leading the class, having trouble understanding him for whatever reason because of the accent and uh, stumbling through a yoga class. And that was it. I, I soon thereafter moved to Boston and, Funny. uh, it was only when Woodstock, the movie, came out that I realized it was uh-huh. the same guy. And by the, and then, you know, he'd become very well-known, and they had to uh, get uh, bigger facilities. And that's how they ended up at that um, uh, building on, on West 13th Street. Um, and, you know, there they are. They're still there after all these years. And um, they have a a natural uh, pharmacy across the street. They have a beautiful health food store next door to the uh, center where I always stop and, and pick up stuff, you know, uh, when I arrive in, every time I arrive in New York, I always, and you know, stay near there. And um, it's a real institution. And, and as we said in the show, you know, for a long time, especially when Satchitananda was alive, that place was, you know, the the go-to place for right. for yoga in New York, especially downtown. And right. you know, now there's a zillion yoga centers. Right. I I hope they bought the building because uh, yeah, it's probably did. worth a gajillion dollars now. Oh my uh, God! In that location. <laughs> uh, but it, but anyway, uh, you know, and uh, uh, nature uh, organizing itself to support their activities. I guess one one of the things that I always liked about. Uh, Swami Satchidananda and uh, his movement and the people I've encountered. First of all, they all, uh, and this I can generally say about people that do physical yoga, they often look very good and their eyes mm-hmm. uh, seem to have a great clarity to them. 
and I, I think they go through whatever purifications, but also the actual physical yoga. And, and, I, and I think that's always important, uh, the balance between meditation and yoga. And, uh, you know, for many years, I, my focus has been more on learning TM on meditation, doing these long meditation courses. And there was always asanas involved, but the emphasis was much more on the meditation. And I think it's important to really uh, balance the two, because if your mind is going to uh, expand, if your consciousness is going to expand, your physical body has to support and reflect that. And I think it's very important that, uh, that that's taken care of. And that seemed to be his emphasis. And the other thing, I remember when we inter- interviewed Prudence Farrow, who had been uh, with Swami Satchidananda before she was uh, studying with Maharishi, and that was that uh, she said he was very traditional, and he wanted you to go from step one to step two to step three mm. in that way. You know, I'm not sure what the order of his teachings were, but... It seems like uh, he had uh, a sequence of information or te- techniques or whatever that he gave over time. I don't know about that, um, but you know, he called it integral yoga for a reason, and um, Swami Ashokananda explained uh, that reason. But you know, yoga's um, a diverse system. There's many aspects to it, and uh, in, you know, if you want complete development, you um, draw upon all the different aspects of it. Um, So he may have had a sequence that he taught, um, but I don't know how rigid it was or, Mm -hmm. you know, whether there were exceptions or whether it changed over time or any of those things. But um, one of the interesting things is um, his... His guru was Swami Shivananda, who was a very important historical figure and very well-known in India. And his um, ashram uh, in Rishikesh is is very big and very well-established for many, many decades. And um, both Swami Satchidananda and Swami Vishnu Devananda had been... uh, brother guru, uh, disciples of Shivananda, and they both uh, came to the West, and they both were among the very first of the Indian spiritual teachers to uh, teach an integrated yoga system. But, you know, people paid most attention to the physical, to the Mm -hmm. Hatha yoga, and that's what became, you know, synonymous with yoga, but they were both uh, very integrated, and as was uh, Swami Shivananda, their guru. So, um, and they were among the first to train uh, Westerners to be yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, this going back to the sixties and seventies. So, well, yeah, it, it's uh, uh, getting back to that that center in New York. I remember going in there, and they had a library, and they had a number of things available. And uh, it's amazing when you think about it. That was the. That was really, like you said, the, the, maybe the first place, one of the first places. And now, in, in terms of yoga studios, I mean, uh, you can't walk down a block. And, and I guess now a lot of the yoga studios have moved to Brooklyn and uh, uh, Long Island City and all because it's just too expensive to be in Manhattan. So only the real high-end ones are, 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 are there. And uh, so did, uh, did Swami Satchidananda uh, do any writing? Did he leave any... Uh, books yeah, behind. there's a there's a bunch of books. Now, I, you know, I don't know how many of the books uh, with him as author 
he actually wrote or were compiled from his his talks, his discourses. I think a lot of the gurus, uh, you know, published a lot of books, and very often um, it's you know the disciples who record everything they say. Right. And such in Nanda's case, you know, it was later in time, so I'm sure they were uh, recorded on you know t- t- with uh, voice recorders and video recorders and all that. And so people will then uh, turn. Uh, those into books. You know, I'm working on this Yogananda biography, and um, he has two massive books. Uh, one is his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. The other is his uh, teachings about Jesus. And they're both well over a thousand pages of, you know, two volumes, but they're all drawn from his uh, short essays and his speeches and mm-hmm. lectures and so forth. So, yeah, there's books. And, and he has a an interesting uh, commentary on the Yoga Sutras. And I'm sure he wrote, you know, that I don't know that that was compiled from his talks, but it's a good one. Um, and, you know, one of many, many uh, translations and commentaries. Right. It's Sutras. actually called, I'm looking at it, the Yoga Sutras of uh, Patanjali by uh, Swami Satchidananda. Yeah. Uh, one, one other thing I wanted to mention, and I, and I mentioned it to to, to him, uh, Swami, who we talked to today. He he was, uh, I felt, incredibly uh, honest and 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 forthright. And, and sometimes in the world of yoga and meditation, you'll get some people that will create a a mood of equanimity or almost uh, an elitist kind of level of consciousness. Whereas this uh, uh, this fellow, Swami. Uh, Ashokananda, uh, with whom we spoke today, he was very, look, this is what I went through. And even what he said about, you know, questioning his monasticism and meeting this woman. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I thought that was uh, terrific because, you know, it, it, people go through that. And and, yes. uh, and, and it, it's, it's good to acknowledge that. And uh, he was very, very humble. And uh, yes. not always an easy thing to do in the world of spirituality. You don't always see it, but... Uh, I was very appreciative of that, and that reflects not only well on him, but also well on his guru. Uh, yes, the I agree, and I also agree that um, many people who become spiritual teachers fall prey to, you know, thinking they have to project an image of, you know, holiness and um, that they're above, you know, human frailties and all that. And I, I think sometimes people see right through that. And I would guess that because of his authenticity, Swami Ashokananda is very popular among the students right. and the, and the younger yoga teachers right. in, uh, right. in the integral yoga world. Right. And and he, Swami he... Satchinananda was that way. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, m- that much, but he always struck me from, you know, uh, videos I've seen of him and what people have told me he he was a very authentic guy and very real there you know footage of him when they were building their ashram in in Virginia you know rolling up a sleeve and doing construction work with everybody else he was also and this is something uh, that accrues well to his uh, legacy he was very active uh, even in the early days in the 70s and 80s uh, in the uh, interfaith movement, interesting, and yeah, and he would you know be part of uh, you know gatherings of uh, spiritual leaders from different traditions. 
he had a long series of uh, uh, gatherings that he he and a rabbi from New York did, uh, and they called it the Swami and the Rabbi, or the Rabbi and the Swami, and it was Rabbi Gelberman, and I think a lot of those may be on YouTube, or at least on CDs, but he was very active in that world. Right, and, and I think that their uh, emblem that they used to uh, for the integral yoga movement uh, uh, symbolizes the different faiths. He mentions that, uh, mm-hmm. and that it's it, so, uh, a very good, uh, uh, okay. very interesting man. Uh, another excellent uh, interview. And for those listening out there, please uh, send us your uh, recommendations, and and we know you do that. And then uh, Phil and I will see who we can get on or give it to our committee to review and. Uh, and we hope to keep bringing you uh, wonderful programming, and uh, any support we can get to do that, uh, we'll have to figure out a way. So uh, thank you very much, and until next time, Phil. Thank you, Dennis.